You're listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Check us out online at southmetroministries.com. Now, let's join in on worship and the Word. Luke chapter 21, verse 7. It's a little more lengthy reading than I normally do, but it is relevant for our word from the Lord today. It begins in verse 7 of Luke 21. So they asked him, meaning Jesus. They asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Many said to them, Nation will arise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. If you'll skip down further to verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth. Distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And here's a word of caution, among other words. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Do you say amen to His Word? So would you pray with me and for me this morning by extending your hand in my direction. Let us pray one for another that, that meaning and purpose may be realized from our time together. Oh God, we've already tasted some of heaven here this morning in worship. And we are now going to get a a different perspective again from your word. And so, Father, I pray as these, these your children and we all your children, as we pray for one another, let the glory of God descend upon us and shine off our faces. Say amen, church. 
Let the Word of God come alive from these Scriptures. And may I be an instrument, a vessel, O God, used of the Lord to bring truth and revelation. May I not be boring. May I not be laborious. Uh, and I pray that you would cause me to resist anything in my flesh that would exploit the pulpit or exploit the people. I pray, O oh God, that we would hear your voice and see your face and be transformed by your power. God, we believe that your word is true and alive and relevant for now. So may it happen so that it would affect change eternally in Jesus' name. And amen? amen. And amen it is. And you may be seated. Thank you very much. Please keep your scriptures open to this passage. There will be others that I like to think on and reflect with you about. But we'll begin here in Luke chapter 21. I tell you that as a minister of the word of the Lord, there are times when I have to look harder or search deeper for a word from the Lord for our times together. And having been in this pulpit and and this church these many years, I always am cautious or careful that I don't go back to a text or a verse of scripture too frequently so that I might uh, visit something that uh, may be just too repetitious. But as it comes to this word this morning, lately, increasing world and natural events have been preparing in my spirit the word of the Lord for this morning. If I were to bring you a message once a month on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am convinced there would be sufficient evidence each time to keep that word fresh and relevant. The fulfillment of prophecy, brothers and sisters, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, along with world events, are moving so rapidly and accurately that they cannot be ignored. My struggle this morning will be what signs to concentrate on. Some time ago, Time Magazine's cover read these three words. Thinking the unthinkable. The story inside stated that mankind is at the brink of disaster in a world bristling with nuclear weapons. A noted Harvard professor was quoted in that particular issue of Time magazine, his name being Bernard Lone. Bernard Lone lamented that mankind is doomed Locked into a race towards Armageddon. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, when scriptures tell us that a day of destruction is coming, you can count on it. When it tells us that heaven and earth will pass away, you can be sure that this world as we know it will definitely end. There will be a day when a last baby is born. There will be a day when a last marriage is performed. A last kiss is given. A last hug is enacted. A last song is sung. My purpose this morning is not to scare you, but to let the Word of God sound a trumpet blast to awaken us from our sleep or our propensity to be asleep. If the end is in sight, 
If we can see that we are headed for destruction, just think of how close the rapture of the church is. You know this already, but let me just remind you, and if you don't, maybe it'll be uh, news for you. There are two phases to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the establishment of His kingdom eternally. The first phase is the rapture of the church. In the first phase of the second return, what happens is that Jesus comes in the cloud, in the air. He doesn't come to the earth, but He comes in the cloud, in the air, and the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. And it's going to happen so rapidly that in Thessalonians, Paul says it's going to happen in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. It'll happen so fast that no CNN, ABC, NBC, or any other news cable network will be able to cover the rapid way in which the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. If you're not afraid of that, you're ready. Put your hands together and give the Lord some thanks. We're going up and all those who are saved and ready and it could happen today. That's why I'm preaching this because it's relevant. We are gone for seven years in what is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven with the Lord. And when we are gone for seven years, then during that seven years begins a time of tribulation and great tribulation where the manifestation of the Antichrist will come to reality and the world will go through all kinds of intense times of, of affliction and natural events and other kinds of world events that will, will bring the world to the final end of the world as we know it. At the end of the tribulation and at the time of what is known as the end of the great tribulation, the world approaches its final battle in a place in Israel known as Megiddo. God tells us in His Word when, how, and where the world as we know it will end. Armageddon. Armageddon is the Hebrew word meaning the mountain of Merged. The mountain of Megiddo lies north of Jerusalem in the country of Israel. Some of you have made a trip to the Holy Land and I have on only one occasion. But on that one occasion I was fortunate enough to be taken with our group to the valley of Megiddo. Some many, many decades before I arrived there and many others, the world conqueror at that time of Europe, Napoleon Bonaparte, visited Megiddo. And he described it as the most natural battlefield on the face of the earth. Napoleon said, it is such a natural battlefield that armies will be able to maneuver easily over its empty plains. On those plains... The Bible tells us human blood will flow to the height of a horse's bridle for 200 miles. That's the war to end all wars. There at the battle of Armageddon, the false man, otherwise known as the Antichrist, will join his armies to fight against we... Who will return after seven years? Oh, I feel a whoop glory. When Jesus comes, a second part of his return, he will come with the armies of heaven on a white horse. Revelation describes him. 
And there the armies of the Son of God and the armies of the Son of Sin will meet in the valley of Megiddo. That will be the end of this world as we know it. There are several signs, brothers and sisters, which indicate that we are on our way to the end of the world. There are signs that we are, that indicate that we are on the road to destruction, that maybe we are the terminal generation headed toward the end. Let me explore some of those signs with you through the power of the Word of God. First, there is this sign of the knowledge explosion. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, Scripture says about events taking place prior to the end of the world and the coming of the Lord. And it says, as you look on the screen, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. The literal translation of this scripture indicates that during the end time or the terminal generation, an explosion of knowledge will occur. Just such an explosion has taken place in the last century alone. From the time of the Garden of Eden when God created the earth until A.D. 1900, 110 years ago, from that time, prior to 1900, men walked or rode horses just as King David and Julius Caesar did. But in the 1900s, in the span of a few years, mankind invented the automobile, the jet plane, and the space shuttle. Such explosion of knowledge... And technology that when the supersonic transport airplane jet was still in commission and active, one could fly from New York City to Paris, France in three hours. It's amazing to me the knowledge explosion of the last decades. Technology has made fathomless depths of knowledge and information available to all of us at the press of a button. Am I right? Some of you have had to turn off your cell phones, and if you haven't yet, it's a good little clue. Because not only will your cell phone note to you that you have a call coming in, but it'll tell you you got an email coming in. Such technology that you can get internet. On your cell phone. Text messaging. And voicemails. And a device as small as the palm of your hand. You can explore encyclopedias of vast knowledge. Technology. Wouldn't you not say that there's a knowledge explosion going on? Think of this church. In the last two generations. We have put men on the moon. Medical science has the ability to keep a corpse or a body breathing for months on life support. Tiny little babies weighing a pound or so because of advances in medical technology have the capacity to survive. I like that. An even greater phenomenon in my limited knowledge of medicine is that Unborn babies in their mother's womb can even have surgery prior to being born. 
You would think with all this knowledge, the world would be better off, wouldn't you? You would think that we would be headed to peace in the world. All this knowledge ought to be a good thing. But look around us. Read the news. Read the newspaper. Listen to the news. All this knowledge continues to lead us on the road to Armageddon or destruction. Our knowledge has not produced heaven on earth. Instead, we have a generation of well-informed people who know more about rock stars than they know about the rock of ages. We have an enlightened society that seeks freedom and self-expression everywhere. And actually, when you look around, they are still enslaved by drugs and alcohol and sexual perversion and crime of all kind. You'd think that this knowledge would save us. But I must tell you that knowledge without God can only produce intellectual Barbarians. I'm going to preach a little bit whether you... Oh, Jesus. You know what knowledge without God does? It just produces smarter sinners. New and creative ways to sin. Adolf Hitler in his time was perceived to be a genius by some people. An intellect. And the same Adolf Hitler was the man who commanded that Jewish baby boys and girls be thrown into the incinerators, burned to ashes because he just hated Jews. The same Adolf Hitler had men and women in his Nazi regime who had Ph.D. diplomas and they were supposed to be scholars in science and medicine and the arts. Those same people helped Adolf Hitler kill six million Jews. I suppose what I'm trying to tell you is that maybe we are the terminal generation. You might want to write this reference down. It says in 2 Timothy 3 and 7 that we are always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's the problem, my brothers and sisters. We will never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth apart from God. You cannot think your way to truth. The only way you and I will ever find eternal, ultimate truth is by seeking and finding the God of the Bible and the Savior of our soul, who is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by Jesus. You see, if you and I reject the truth, the only thing that's left to be accepted is a lie. America has rejected the truth of God's Word. And we've got Johnny Come Latelys, and we've got television talk show people, and we've got uh, radio and TV personalities, and we've got sports personalities. We even have preachers and teachers who have found a way to corrupt the Word of God and take away from the truth. America has rejected the truth. I, I might continue here this morning to show you another sign that indicates that perhaps we are the terminal generation. Scripture speaks about plague in the Middle East. And Zechariah in particular 
in chapter 14 verses 12 through 15 talks about a vision given to him by God. And Zechariah didn't know how to describe the vision because he didn't have the comparisons that we have today that helps us understand what this might be. So in not knowing exactly what to call it, he called it a plague. And it says in verse 12 of chapter 14, And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. I'm going to do a little parenthetical here. (laughs) And I know I'm going to step out a little bit, but I'm going to stay with the word. Any nation that blesses Israel will be blessed. Any nation. But since I'm an American, and most of you are, God, I believe, raised up America for two reasons. You, you want to remember this, okay? God raised up America for two reasons. Among others, but the two primary reasons why America exists. Because you don't really see them existing a lot in last day prophecy. The first reason is to spread the gospel all around the world. No other nation in the world have sent out more missionaries, printed more Bibles, sent out more, uh, built more churches, hospitals and orphanages and, and helped the hungry and clothed the naked and spread the gospel everywhere than America. God raised up America, among other things, to spread the gospel. Secondly, God raised up America to be a friend and a protector of Israel. Don't ever forget that. Okay? Because we are the world's superpower. We are the world's largest democracy. We are the world's most powerful nation. God raised up America. So it doesn't matter here this morning whether you are Democrat or you are Republican or whether you are Libertarian or whether you don't even know what you are. If you are a child of God and you believe this word, you believe that you will pray for the peace of Jerusalem and God will bless all those who bless Israel. But he will judge those who do not bless Israel. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. What does that mean? There are several possibilities, but let, let me show you something here. In Isaiah's day, and, and, and then scholars and theologians beyond Isaiah's day up until now struggle with this prophecy because uh, they didn't know how to relate to it in the sense of uh, what was taking place in their world. In my reading, I discovered that in 1918, there was an epidemic in the world known as the Great Influenza. So devastating was this epidemic or plague that people died within hours of having manifested symptoms. Zachariah's plague could be another virus, one that we have not yet seen. And despite all of our increase in knowledge, church, we are not equipped to handle the, what is called new mutated viruses that could strike swiftly and severely. But then there's another possibility. Zachariah's plague could also be the logical result of massive radiation. That is more probable. Sometime back, a docudrama, documentary drama about Hiroshima 
presented a sort of a reenactment of the bombing that ended World War II. I saw some of that, and maybe some of you did. In this docudrama, the reenactment of what happened on that day showed flesh literally melting off the bones of the victims before the corpse could hit the ground. Zachariah, talking about the plague that will come in the Middle East, could be speaking about a nuclear weapon or warfare. Let me go a little deeper with you. An A-bomb, an atomic bomb, can produce a temperature of 160 million degrees Fahrenheit in one millionth of a second. Under such conditions, a man's tongue, eyes can melt in his mouth and socket before his corpse hits the ground. You all are not novice to the news. Even if you wanted to ignore the news, it finds you. Yeah, amen, it's true. I'm so glad I have an off button on my TV and radio. I don't just mean about the news. I mean about just a lot of things. I'm so happy when I go over to world-renowned class one restaurant, Waffle House, that nobody's put a quarter in the jukebox. I pay people not to put a quarter in the jukebox. I give them 50 cents. Just be, just be quiet. If you want to know how to die soon with sad songs, put a quarter in the jukebox. Well, I'm getting off in the flesh here and I need to move on. The president of Iran, Mahoud Ahmadinejad, has made no bones about wanting the annihilation of Israel. Can I get a witness here if that's in the news? The president of Iran and Iran as a nation continues to rebuff invitations of negotiating peace or potential disarmament of nuclear weapons. The president of Iran and the Iranian people, many of whom are radical Islamists, have two goals in mind, the eradication of the nation of Israel and the removal of Christians from influence in the world. Because Christians and Israel go hand in hand. Anybody know the Bible? Anybody know that your Messiah is Jewish? Anybody know that your scriptures came through the Jews? And so, oh, I told my wife before I started this thing, I said, I, I really don't intend to do a series on the second coming. I want to get it all said one Sunday morning. And she says, you don't have to. And more times than not, my wife is more right than I am. But I'll move right on. Ahmadinejad could make this plague a reality. Yeah. We are told by some that he's one year out from having enough, enriching enough uranium to have a weapon of mass destruction. Things like nuclear bombs and Star War weapon systems lets us know that maybe we are the terminal generation. Because one touch of a button and the whole world can be destroyed. Uh, we have never had before the capacity. We've never had 
such ready resources available for world annihilation than we have now. I'm just doing a little teaching here. You okay with this? Uh, in, in the 50s, the, the nations that, that, that have the, the, the first uh, weapon of mass destruction was America and then the Soviet Union. And then on the heels of America and the Soviet Union came Great Britain. But when the Soviet stockpiled and America stockpiled, we went into the Cold War because we knew that either one of us had the capacity not only to destroy one another, but destroy the whole world. Then in the 60s came France and China. And they joined the nuclear race. Then beyond that came India, France, of course I mentioned earlier. And, and now we have about ten nations, that maybe one or two are not declared, who are armed with the potential of not just nation annihilation, but world annihilation. I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, that while you sip your coffee and read the newspaper and head off to work, don't forget... That we might be the terminal generation. And while you build your house and pay your bills and raise your family. And all that's good. While you put a little money for savings and go on vacation and and live right and good. Remember that we are living in the day and the hour when the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ could take place. And the Bible says, be ye therefore ready. And if you are ready, you have nothing to worry about. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Before God will let this world be annihilated with nuclear weapons, He will intervene. Somebody say amen. God will stop the plans of man to redeem the men and women who are born again and let the world do what it will because God will redeem His own. You're glad to be in the family of God. Put your hands together and praise Him. I got to move a little more haste. Some of this you already know, but I'm telling you, I'm just updating you. I've preached this before, but I've come with a little update. The rebirth of Israel as a nation. May 15, 1948 is a very important date in prophecy. It was on that day that the United Nations announced that they would formally recognize the state of Israel. Israel was trying its best to gain its homeland, to gain its own national identity, For hundreds of years, biblical prophecy states that Israel must experience a rebirth before the coming of the Lord. A portion of that scripture is found in Isaiah 66 and 8. It says this, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Here's a key phrase, question. Or shall a nation be born at once? Where else in history have you heard a nation was born in one day? For as soon as Zion was in labor, Israel, she gave birth to her children. God's in control. In Matthew 24, no need to turn there, but let me just give you a, a related scripture. Matthew 24, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him for the signs of the end of the age. They said to Jesus, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus responded with these words. Look on the screen with me. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Pause. Many times in biblical prophecy, Israel is referred to as the fig tree. 
It is here. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also. When you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation. Everybody say those two words. This generation. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Jesus is saying, yes, as soon as a fig tree renders tender twigs and leaves start coming out, it's very clear that spring is here and summer is coming. And he's saying, when, when you look at Israel... And you see the rebirth of Israel as a nation. And she enters her formative first decade or second decade or third or fourth decade. As she's already done, she's now over 60 years old. We're living on borrowed time. Y'all heard me, didn't you? Jesus says, Israel is a young tree. When Israel becomes a reborn and growing, putting forth leaves. Don't ignore that. Every day Israel fights for its survival. Did you hear me? You, you visit Israel in a, 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 on the street corners, in the marketplace, in the public place. Every place, there are people with weapons. By law, every boy and girl who grow into teenage years and become 18 years old, by law, they compulsory must serve in Israel's military. Israel has no friendly nations around them for miles Israel is bordered by Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and the Mediterranean Sea. You and I come and go, and we hope nobody have guns to do us evil. They deliberately have guns because they ain't hoping. They got missiles flying over their head. People tunneling underground to find new and creative ways to kill them. I'm not saying Israel is perfect, and I'm not saying they're all saved, and I'm not saying they're all going to heaven. I don't know why God designed His prophetic plan around Israel. He could have done it around Canada. He might have should. I hope He'd have done it around Trinidad, but He couldn't find it. It was so small. And I'm only teasing. I'm saying to you that. I know you come here with concerns about money and marriage and children and family. God can handle that like this. I know you got concerns about employment. I know you got concerned about what we're going to do and all this. And I'm telling you, what the greatest concern is, is you have a decision that nobody else can make. Not the government, not the IRS, not the banks, not the lawyers, not your spouse, not your children, not your mama, not your daddy, not your preacher. You and I, all of us singularly have a decision only of of us, uh, we alone can make. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do I believe He is the Savior of the world? Do I believe the Word of God? Do I believe there's a heaven and a hell? Do I believe there's going to be a rapture and and, and, and a catching away of the saints? Do I believe there'll be a judgment of the world? And I'm Telling you that when you believe it, your life is changed. But whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the truth. Somebody give the Lord some praise in this house. This will be about as far as I can get, but 
But let me show you one more thing. The Jews will return home. Jesus Christ was crucified at age 33 and a half. A.D. 33. You remember when Jesus said, when Jesus uh, was asked by his disciples in Matthew about the end of the age, prior to describing what would happen, he said, not one stone. He was sitting in the proximity of the temple. You recall that in scripture? And if you don't, uh, let me just teach you. He was sitting in the proximity of the temple and everybody around was... uh, In the busyness of temple worship and temple sacrifice. And the center of Israel's joy and Jerusalem's gathering was the temple. It was ornate. It was beautiful. It was a replica of what Solomon had built originally. And Jesus said, not one stone of this glorious, wonderful temple that you brag about and love so much... See, part of the problem of our culture and culture back then, we worship things more than we do the creator of all things. Not one stone, an ornate temple made of stone. And the original construction of the temple, no sound of hammer or chisel was allowed in the original construction. They would hammer and chisel the stones blocks and maybe many distance, a long distance away because such sacredness was associated with the temple that they would come and place it carefully. Huge stones. You, you, you ever been there? You'll know what I'm talking about. Because there's a portion of the wailing wall that's left. That was not the immediate temple, but it was the construction around the temple. And when Jesus said, not one stone of this ornate, beautiful, man-made temple will stand, some accused them of blasphemy. Accused them of speaking against God and They were always looking for a reason to kill him. And this was just another reason they could concoct. That was A.D. 33. In A.D. 70, just like Jesus prophesied, the Romans attacked Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed to the ground. Not one stone left on the other. And especially the temple because some of the decorations of the temple were laced with gold. You with me? Some of the, 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 the binding and the cementing of the stones mixed in with gold. So every stone was removed so the gold could be gotten by those who sought to exploit and destroy. After the temple was destroyed in, 19, pardon me, in the year 70 A.D., a series of events set in motion what later became known as the Diaspora. The dispersing of the people of God. They spread all over the Mediterranean basin and from there they spread all over the world. The people of God Israel never had a home from the year A.D. 70 till May 15, 1949. Hundreds of years. Jeremiah, however, declared that before the Lord comes back to earth, a sign of the end of the age is that the Jews will return home. He says in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 23, and I've cited verses eight, verse 8 for you. He says, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them. 
And they shall dwell in their own land. You see that phrase I have underlined from the north country? Part of the diaspora of the Jews involved large numbers of them for hundreds of years migrating to Russia. Do you know that thousands and multiple thousands of them have returned from Russia? You ever look at some of the television, you look at some of the Christian broadcasting, you'll find that they're making appeals. Some of us have helped to play for pain, pay for plane fare for Russians to release Russian Jews back to Israel. You're thinking, I came to hear this? Yes, you did. Because it's your ticket out of here. Where it says from all countries where I have driven them. Look at what's happened over the years. They've, they've come home. The nation of Israel. Jesus is coming soon. In 1917, the population of Israel, although not a nation, trying to, trying to get started, was 25,000 Jews lived in the land. In 1922, there were 83,000 Jews. In 1932, 180,000 Jews. I think something's moving. Something's shaking. 1935, 300,000 Jews. 1937, 400,000. 1945, 500,000. And today, over 5 million. <laughs> like the old boy says, time to get your head out of the duffel bag. No, I don't know that I will. I'll just save it for later because this is where God wants me to stop. Look at me and listen to me. Why why did I tell you all this? Because I want to impress you with knowledge? No. I'm probably the least qualified to preach on prophecy. But I like to preach the Bible. Listen to me. Listen to me. (laughs) We got people holding out thinking that when the tribulation comes, I'll make it through it. Then I'll get saved. You are woefully deceived come back next Sunday because one of the signs of the coming of the Lord that I will tell you about is mass deception it's happening right now deception has always been a ploy of Satan but for world domination by one man known as the Antichrist there will be mass deception and that's going on now when the devil is telling some people you know what you got a lot of time left You know what, if the rapture does take place and the tribulation comes in, you don't have to take the mark of the beast and be identified with the lost forever. Because right at that time, you'll get saved. If you've heard that, you're deceived. Because the spirit that now let it, the spirit that now let it, God work, the Holy Spirit that now draws men and women to Christ, when the rapture takes place, is the spirit that's going to depart with the church. And when the anointing and the fire and the conviction of God leaves with the church, there will be no spirit that draws you. Anybody get saved during the tribulation will do so by severing of their head or by being a martyr. We ain't got a lot of people lining up right now to be martyrs, nor will there be then. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Let me tell you something else I want you to know. Who knows the number of your days or mine? Huh? Who told me or told you that I'm going to live to be a hundred? Are you all Okay. Yes, you are okay if you're born again. Who told you prior to coming to a wedding rehearsal on Friday evening here 
I visited the funeral home, then came to the rehearsal. Because none of us know the number of our days. I'm just telling you as a pastor and a shepherd, be ready. Be ready. Work your job, build your family. Oh, that's not wrong. Come to church, give your tithe and offerings, bless other people. That's not wrong. Enjoy sports and its rights perspective and enjoy other people. That's not wrong. But be ready, be ready, be ready. Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads all over, every head bowed, every eye closed. And everybody that, that know that this is the truth, begin a prayer to yourself. If you already pray for me and pray for, pray for those this morning that they will not be one more time duped by the devil and leave here without Christ. Pray everybody a whisper. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Father, I knew I would struggle with a place to stop, but this is where you told me to stop. And I pray this morning. That the word of God will fall on good soil. Hearts that are ready. I wonder if this morning, if you were to die before Jesus comes, would you go to heaven? Oh, I wonder if Jesus comes today or in the immediate near future. Are you ready? Have you confessed your sins and forsaken them? And now you're trying your best to serve God. If you die or Jesus came, would you go to heaven? And if you are not ready, you can get ready right now this morning. You are not going to be embarrassed. Nobody's going to make you do anything you don't want to do. We're not going to make you a spectacle and we're not going to come up here and exploit your sin or make you in any way uncomfortable. But we are going to invite you to make a decision Nobody else can make for you. I don't care if you're 80 or 8. If you are not born again, you need to be. I'm glad if you have money, and I'm glad if you have a job, and I'm glad if you have good, and I thank God. But none of those things are going to heaven with you. Your soul will live forever. Either in the place of torment called hell, created for the devil and the angels who rebelled, or in the place called heaven, created for all those who have believed on the Lord Jesus and served him. I said, Pastor, I'm not ready. I want to be. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise it. Hold it up. Nobody else is looking at you. Just hold it up. Hold it up because you're not ashamed of the fact that Jesus died for you and you're glad. Hold it up. Thank you, Jesus. Hold it up higher for me. I want to count it. Nobody else looking. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Somebody, everybody else, put, everybody now put your hands down. Everybody put them down. Put them down. Head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to give you ten seconds to respond if you didn't just then. Nine, eight, seven. Raise your hands if you hadn't yet. Five, four, thank you. Two more. Three, two, one. Put them down. Stand, would you? Everyone, would you stand? Everyone. Oh, I feel the anointing of God. It just, it just happens to be a, a little different moment. Everybody stand. Okay. Everybody standing. Yeah, get, get you standing up ready. Wake up your neighbor. Said he's finished. We think. <laughs> look at me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. About 15 or 20 of you raised your hands. Oh, my, 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 my. The ink is wet on the pen of the angels. going to write your name down. The devil try to erase your name, but he can't do it. If you messed up and sinned and you ain't completely ready, pray again. Pray right now, okay? 
If you didn't raise your hand, pray anyhow. I want everybody in this church to repeat loud after me. Out loud. Don't even close your eyes. Just look, at, look this way here. Lord Jesus. Thank you. For your word. You tell us. That your word. Is life. By faith. I receive your word. I confess. That I have sinned. I confess. That I cannot save myself. I believe. That Jesus Christ. Is the only begotten. Son of God. Come Jesus. Into my life. Wash away my sins. Write my name. In heaven's roll book. And starting today. I confess. By faith. I am changed. Teach me Jesus. How to love you. And to serve you. And when the rapture comes. And the trumpet sounds. Oh I die. I will be ready. Thank you Jesus. Upon the confession of my mouth. And faith in the Lord. I am saved. Amen. Amen. And amen. Put your hands together. Give me a little worshipers here. We're going to sing the Lord is coming back to earth again. This is our going home song. <laughs> Maybe going home in more ways than one. Huh? But either way, we're ready. Oh, let me tell you something. You ought to take this message and find somebody and lock them up in the break room. And tell them, you rascal, you, you've been running from me. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus got you up on my time. Go in your child's bedroom or your spouse's room. Don't be, don't be intrusive and ugly and rude with your testimony. When they don't even know it. Go and be a secret agent at least once in a while and pray over that bed. Pray over that room. Pray over that house. Yeah. Walk around that house and pray. Cast some demons out that deceives and get some folks ready to go to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes, our Lord is coming back to earth again.
Hallelujah. Look at somebody beside you and say, I'm ready. Are you? Have a great day. God bless you as you go.